We're back on Date with the Night, and today I'm joined by the Brooklyn-based indie rock band Beach Fossils. Can you all introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Dustin. My name's Jack. And Tommy is actually like, I don't know, he walked away. He's oh, upstairs. he's coming. Here he I comes. Hear him. <laughs> he's coming right well, he's I had back. to walk in fashionably late, naturally. Of course. Yeah, he's got to be cool. He's got to be late. Yeah, what's happening? What are we doing here? Hey, yeah. what's going on? I'm Tommy. Nice to meet you all. What's going on in New York? I'm assuming that's where you're coming in from. Yeah. Just got back from a tour in Australia, and now we're getting back together again, starting to practice a little bit, work on some music. Yeah, just hanging out. And was that your mini tour with Modest Mouse and... Sorry, can you guys scoot out a little bit? So I can yeah, actually, let, I'm let like, this boy in. Sorry. We're, we're, we're huddling up against one computer right now. It's like... Yeah. We're like in middle school trying to, you know, load the website basically. Like <laughs> I've got a very cute image in my head of you all like huddled around the computer right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, under, we're under a blanket right now. <laughs> it's a duvet. So was that the tour in Australia with Modest Mouse and like Slow Dive? Yeah. Unfortunately, Slow Dive had to cancel last minute because their drummer hurt his back. But Oh uh, no. Yeah. But it was still fun regardless. We hadn't been to Australia in ten years, so we had a blast. What was it like touring with Modest Mouse? Like, did you get to hang out with Modest Mouse? Yeah, they were super cool. I'd never met them before, but they were like much nicer and more approachable than I was expecting. So yeah, we had some fun. Well, we have a lot to talk about today because your fourth album, Bunny, just dropped. But before I get into all of that, I found some images of you at 285 Kent. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Before wow. Vice took over. It's funny because it's like the old person thing of being like, those were like those were the good old days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those were the best days of our life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so much fun. Like for me, 285 Kent specifically was somewhere that I could go on any night of the week. I wouldn't even have to look up who was playing or what was happening. I could literally just walk down there, go inside, and see every single one of my friends. Some and, even lived there. Yeah, and some or even a couple of friends you know I you know. would see every time because they lived in like a storage closet there. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. You know, it was like an actual scene, an actual community. At the time, it didn't feel temporary, and it didn't feel like something that was going to go away. It was like it was just always going to be there, you know, but. You didn't realize the kind of fragility of the DIY scene and how mm -hmm. everything is so short-lived. Yeah. It's funny. I was reading an article by Vice where they talked about how it was a good thing that they were taking over the DIY venue and that there were like people smoking inside of 285 Kent and that wasn't oh, yeah. allowed. Or, and I was like, this <laughs> is like what you guys are about, I thought, as yeah. a magazine. But big shout out to Vice for like saving us. You know, we could have died in a fire. Yeah. We could have started some explicit music. That would have been bad. That was a venue that I had hoped to one day go to in New York and visit and have like a great time. And then it disappeared. But it's really cool that you kind of got to be part of that little moment in time for New York. Yeah, I'm writing a, a memoir now, and one of the chapters is called 285 Kent, Kirkland's version of CBGB's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibe. <laughs> for sure. Here's the biggest thing that I want to know about 285 Kent. The crazy, weird, black graffiti kind of looks like silly string yeah. mound. Yeah. Whose face was that? I have no idea. That wasn't always there. I remember when they did that, I was like, why the fuck did they do this? Because it was yeah. so much cooler when it was just like a plain Empty. white room. Yeah. yeah. The whole place was kind of held together by duct tape, honestly. Yeah. I mean, well, the mixing board was smaller than like one we would have in our practice space. You yeah. know, it was yeah. just like you would go on stage and you couldn't hear anything. Like the <laughs> oh, monitors no. oh, yeah, no way. 
were like just as good as like if you had an AirPod on the floor. <laughs> I stopped asking for them because the monitors would shift. The whole stage would bounce. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the best part. It was basically a trampoline made of wood. So you're like, okay, this might be our last song or this might literally be our last song. <laughs> like, again, my shins get impaled by floorboards. Well, it's funny because yeah. we still talk about 285 Kent very regularly as like a reference for if you're playing a show where the monitor situation sucks. Literally in Australia, we were doing yeah, this. We like we were it. playing some of these festivals. You have a 20 minute changeover, no time to do a fucking line check. So we're on stage trying to play and you can't hear anything. And we just look at each other and we just go, 285 Kent. Just yeah. think of 285 yeah. Kent. We've been through that. <laughs> We've seen this before. Yeah. Not at all right. <laughs> it's cool to look at your beginnings as a band at a DIY venue like that. And now your highly anticipated fourth album, Bunny, has just been released. It's your first full length album since Somersault in, I think, 2017. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been a while. What was the headspace for Bunny and what did you kind of want to do differently? So for Somersault, it was like we wanted to do something really ambitious and really outside of the minimal sound that people had come to expect from Beach Fossils. Like, let's just take full advantage of the fact that we're just recording and take advantage of the studio and we'll figure out how to play it live after the fact. It was really fun and it was a really great challenge and I'm really glad we did it and I'm sure we'll do stuff like that again. But Bunny was a little bit more of a return to form where it was like, okay, let's strip this back again. Let's get it more minimal and let's just do it where it's just like a four piece and what you're hearing on the record, we can recreate live the four of us, you know, just kind of getting down to like this simple, minimal rock instrumentation. I really love Seconds, which was the last single you released ahead of this album. Which one's that? How's that go? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know about Brian O'Malley, the creator of like Scott Pilgrim, that he has a graphic novel called Seconds? There's a film adaptation of the graphic novel. It's going to be directed by Edgar Wright. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so they asked us to write this song for <laughs> the movie. And, uh... If you're listening and you need a theme song. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, this song is so good, and I feel like it could lend itself beautifully to the film adaptation. Well, you know what's funny is I actually was thinking about the band Wednesday. I love that band so much. And what insane timing, because then there was that show that just came out. Mm. And I'm like... Are they getting buried in Google searches right now? Like when people are trying to find the band because the show is so successful? Like, so we consciously did that with Second. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's like cross pollination going on where like they're getting a ton of traffic, even though they're losing a lot of traffic. They're equally getting a ton of traffic because of the movie, you know? Okay. Let me do a little backstory here. So when we finished Somersault, like soon after, I got into drawing for a little bit and I was going on eBay and I was searching for vintage toys and I was just drawing them and I saw this vintage bunny toy and i was like this is fucking sick this is just going to be the cover of the next record so i bought it it's been living in the studio sitting right above us the whole time while we've been working on this record it's become like a studio mascot yeah, multiple studios it's been right above the computer every time yeah so you know when the record was done it was like okay we're gonna have our friend do a painting of the bunny for the album cover and we're just gonna call it bunny after we had committed to that i found out after everything was in production, that there was a band called Beach Bunny. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, because like, this has been an idea since 2017. And I was so bummed. I was like, is this going to fuck things up now? Like when people search for Beach Fossils Bunny or Beach Bunny or whatever, like yeah. people are going to start getting confused. And I even asked friends about it. I was like, should we like delay the record? So yeah. we have to like change the 
title and the artwork, but everyone was like, nah, fuck it. Just do you, you know, just, just do your thing. So yeah, I hear they're going to release their new album and it's going to be called fossils. Maybe we have to go on tour or something. I don't know. We have new management. We have been talking about the idea of changing our name to the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the extra cross pollination, you know, Robert Downey Jr. or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, I know Beach Bunny, and I did not connect that at all when I heard your album was Until Bunny. now. <laughs> <laughs> I should send you some pictures. I have, like, figurines that are very similar to the bunny on the cover of your album. Oh, cool. They're very much, like, in the same vibe. I was very excited when I saw the album cover. I've been wondering, though, about seconds. It's like, can you walk me through, like, the song writing process for this track specifically? That one was actually one of the quickest songs that we wrote for this whole record tommy came in with the chord progression he had kind of been like working with that chord progression for a while i was like this is cool it kind of reminds me of lay lady lay like the bob dylan song yeah which i played for tommy which funny enough he had actually never heard before so i was like okay this is sick because he's not ripping something off it just like <laughs> naturally came to him i hate bob dylan activate no I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's coming from yeah he comes from the bob dylan universe i'm coming from you know Yo Gabba Gabba kind of like vibe. That's what I was going <laughs> But that song came together so fast. It might have even been during like just COVID times. COVID, where like, yeah. Because we were never going to space because obviously, yeah, we vacated that for a minute. And then I think Dustin was grabbing like pieces of gear to take back to his place so he could like start working on just solo recording stuff and just kind of build up some ideas for this record. And I think we were like intersecting at the same time, like, oh, I was at the space of grabbing something too. And we just got to like tinkering around with something. I feel like, you know, a song is going to be fun to play live and like, it's going to resonate with people when you're able to just come up with it so quickly and naturally. The first song I ever, I think heard from Beach Fossils is Face It from What a Pleasure. Oh, wow. That's like probably one of my favorites. Oh, Whenever I hear your music, I always think like how nicely it would lend itself to like a Gregoraki film. Have you ever like listened to the soundtracks of those films? Oh my God, dude, you don't even know. Like I had him on the list actually as like someone who's like a dream person to direct a music video for us. I'm such a fucking huge fan. And I love the way that he uses music in his films especially in Totally Fucked Up because that soundtrack is so cool because it literally goes between like gentle shoegaze music and extremely harsh industrial music and there's like yeah. no in between. <laughs> and that's kind of how I listen to music myself. So yeah, I love that. He should direct one of your music videos. He <laughs> doesn't have like a happen. recent film or anything coming out. So I don't know, maybe he has some time. Should hit him up. Yeah. yeah. My wife used to A&R Slow Dive. They're good friends with him. And she was like, yeah, I could maybe like get you introduced. And I'm like, I don't even know. I'm looking at the totally <laughs> fucked up poster right now. He's doing the podcast circuit. You should see. I think he's has some like time on his hands. Yeah. Somebody put the word out there, please. We'll manifest <laughs> it. We're just going to roll up on him. We'll get him on a verse. <laughs> Let's just get him on a song. Fuck it. <laughs> please, please. Find that address. <laughs> so aside from Greg Araki, if a Beach Vossels track could be included in a film, who would you hope to direct that film and what kind of scene would it be? Okay, so the feeling that I want to get out of a Beach Vossels song, this is something that I've expressed to my bandmates before as well, is that I want the song to feel like a good, genuine laugh after you've just had like a big hard cry so like you've been completely immersed in this feeling where you're so overwhelmed that you're just sobbing and then like 
the person that you're with who's comforting you says something funny and you both start laughing and you've got like tears on your face and snot coming out of your nose. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want that feeling out of every Beach Fossil song. We've adopted the term like roll the credits. We want the song to feel like it fits at the end of a long story or starting a new one. There's a Wayne's World tagline, I think, for the movie. It's you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just want people to throw up when they listen to our music. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I guess that kind of scene. But as far as someone to direct it, uh, Tommy Wiseau. Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) That's a good one. What are the new open AI model is? Let's go. We're going to star in it, though. You should. (laughs) AI generated movie. (laughs) What do you hope that people take away from this album? A lot of the songs on this album are kind of like slower, more introspective, more lush, and kind of go even deeper into these sort of big moments and big emotions so i'm excited for people to hear that you know because i feel like the singles for any artist are never really like the truest representation of what an album is yeah my greatest wish is that people like sit down and listen to the album beginning to end and take the whole thing in i know that's a big ask these days especially with streaming it's like everything is so like song based rather than album Mm -hmm. forward but We spent a lot of time sequencing this album, and the part of the reason it takes so long for us to make a record is because it's like, you want to have a collection of songs that feel like they all make sense together, and you want it to flow like a film and have different moods where it goes up and down in different directions. And Mm -hmm. I think the best way to appreciate this album or, or any album is to listen to it all the way through. There's actually a lot of bars here in Toronto where they play full albums all the way through. And I love it. I love to sit in the bar and just like hear a full album, not like some Spotify playlist, but like a full Mm -hmm. ass album. I Mm -hmm. love that. Yeah. My friend did that recently. He invited me out. He was like DJing at this bar slash restaurant. He played Nick Drake, Pink Moon. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he played Spiritualized Laser Guided Melodies, which are both perfect albums beginning to end. Yeah. So nice to do this in like a public setting. Collecting records is kind of keeps that alive for me. It's like you listen to it all the way through. You're not making a playlist compilation as much as I love to make playlists, but right. So I was noticing in the lyrics for some of these tracks, specifically "Don't Fade Away," there seems to be a feeling of longing or missing someone. You know, at the time of writing the lyrics, I had already been isolated for so long. You know, it was like COVID lockdown, and then I had a kid, so I became a parent. I think I was just like really missing my friends and so many people that I love and so many people that like we grew up putting out records and touring together and sharing these experiences at the same time have moved out of New York and aren't here anymore. Yeah. And I do really miss them and I really miss that. So, you know, in a way, yeah, maybe it's like a letter to old friends. Oh, I love that. Are you going to begin like your next tour? We're going to take the summer mostly off and then we're going to start touring in the fall. So, you know, we actually get to like enjoy New York in the summer. (laughs) Nice. No, because we never get to be here for the summer. Almost never, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be a really good time. What do you love most about being a band in New York? The clout's amazing. You look so much cooler than than everyone, I think. (laughs) (laughs) There's just like so many people here that are on the same life trajectory. I moved here from North Carolina because I felt like North Carolina was like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I felt like it was a dead end place, you know, like I was playing music and there was really nowhere for it to go and nobody to play it to. And 
you know, you come to New York and it's full of so many people have done the same thing. It's like everybody left their town because they were fucking sick of it and they wanted to start a new life and shed the skin and become a new person. And you're just like surrounded by so many like-minded people who are all like driven and creative and inspired. And it's a place that keeps you inspired. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a place that keeps you young and it's a place that... There's a lot to write about in this city. Yeah. You leave your house and you have no idea what's coming. Yeah, you're never going to run out of experiences here. So what are you going to get up to in New York this summer then? You know, like floating down rivers and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do some tubing. We always have a good kind of tubing crew. Wait, when's the last time you went tubing with us? The Delaware Water Gap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delaware Water Gap. Because that's the thing. It's like New York, it's intoxicating in the summer. It's like crazy. And there's like all this energy that's kind of wild. You almost need like a release valve. So it's like going upstate, getting like at least 14 ticks on you in the course of a couple hours. (laughs) (laughs) Really makes you feel alive. No, yeah. Hitting the beach for sure. Getting the water sports in, you know, that's one of my past. A whole lot of AC, honestly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kind of go crazy from sweating too much. Then go in the AC, then go in the syringe-filled Rockaway beaches. Have you been to New York in the summer? For two days in 2016. Okay. And it was probably like so fucking hot that you could yeah. It was so hot and like felt like I was breathing through a straw. It's like the soup feeling, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're in a soup. Yeah, I don't think people realize like how hot New York is in the summer. I think the thing is if you live anywhere else and it gets hot, usually are going from like a house with central AC to a car with AC. Whereas in New York, it's like hot as fuck in your apartment. You go outside, it's hot as fuck outside. Like there's no really subway. There's like piles of garbage that are just like baking in the sun waiting for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like, it's funny though, because in the winter when it's like gray and all the trees are dead and there's like dirty snow all over the ground, like I start to miss that. I'm like, I can't wait Mm -hmm. for that like nasty garbage smell. Yeah. Yeah. We are more, I think as a band into like the winter here, I think we're more comfortable at least. Yeah. Well, we write a lot. Yeah. We we write write most of our material in the winter because you don't want to fucking go outside. The demos are always... Always a, there's always a date on the demos and like there's so many more in like fall and, for sure. and yeah. winter and all yeah. that. Have you been in Toronto for a minute now or? I've been living here for six to seven years. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. And where were you before <laughs> that? Were you somewhere warmer? Just a suburb outside of the city. Okay. Yeah. It gets really hot here too. We don't have AC in most of our apartments either. We have like weird diaper smells in the street here in Toronto. It's <laughs> like <laughs> 7 a.m. on a weekday. You're like, why does it smell like cat piss outside? Like what oh, is going on? It doesn't smell good. But so there are some similarities between both cities. <laughs> yeah. I think of New York as like the older brother to Toronto. For sure. Yeah. yeah. New York is like, there's no reason for it to be as fucking dirty as it is. <laughs> Everyone's just accepted it it's like okay here's like a mm-hmm. world-class city that's just like a fucking shit bomb went off <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it so exciting i feel it's just like yeah. i don't know it's gritty it feels like if you can cut your teeth there like that song if you can make it in new york you can make it anywhere mm-hmm. those aren't the right lyrics but frank frankie poo yeah. frankie poo i prefer alicia keys concrete jungle where dreams are made of nice nice <laughs> or taylor swift's welcome to new york oh yeah that one used to play in the yellow cabs yes like, wow that's perfect for you <laughs> did you guys have myspace back in the day oh yeah oh, I, had to. I was actually just talking about this the other day with somebody about how like the top eight thing was a big thing <laughs> 
in your friendships, it could like fuck things up. Yeah. You it know? really could. Like, you move them one space back. Yeah. You know, I was changing my top eight, yeah. like on the daily, you know, like if I was <laughs> hanging out with someone, I started getting close with somebody else or someone Ooh. else or, like throwing some shade. Like, yeah, yeah. I start moving shit around, you know, and people notice. <laughs> people remember. <laughs> so what were your MySpace songs? Like, did you have your own personal profiles yeah. outside of like? Oh, yeah. Mine was so fucking pretentious. It was just like weird, like psychedelic colored gifts of like caves and stuff in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then like <laughs> the music that I picked, I was always like trying to be so pretentious. It was like some really obscure Krautrock song or like some very obscure, like psychedelic Japanese song where a guy's like playing a cello and like screaming or something, you know, like <laughs> my fucking MySpace page is going to be art. Like people are going to yeah, come yeah. to my page and it's going to like shift their perspective on reality. <laughs> They're going to go into my psychedelic cave of wonders. Yeah. They're going to play the glass organ. Yeah. <laughs> and I was a little younger and I had like, it's not over yet. Klaxons. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Honestly, I think the most memorable part for me in the MySpace era, well, besides like having my mind blown when I was like, oh my God, MIA and Justice, they have yeah. 3D GIFs for their photos. This is yeah. fucking insane. How, how are they do that? How are they making three images, yeah. taking photos of them a millimeter apart and then taking all three of them together and then making them rotate in such a crazy yeah. 3D way? Everyone <laughs> learned HTML. Yes. I would say the biggest thing for me was just like discovering new music too. Or like during like the blog era, it's like, okay, you're going to click on whatever blog post and then you're going to go to that person's MySpace and check it out. Jai Paul, though, his mixtape went up on MySpace. I just was like obsessed. I'm like, I need to figure out how to like rip the audio or something. Yeah. And then, of course, someone did. And that was that whole mixtape stink that he did. But do you want to talk about how Beach Fossils even ended yeah. up in New York? Yeah, let's hear it. I like put the first Beach Fossils demos up on MySpace. It was Daydream, Desert Sand, and Vacation. But at the time, labels still wanted physical copies. Mm -hmm. So I was like mailing out like CDRs and I was trying to make them like really interesting so people would notice them. Cave photos and shit. So I got like brown paper lunch bags and I put the CDR in that and I was making collages from like chemistry books and stuff and like putting it on the front of the paper bag. I was personalizing each one for every label that I was sending it out to. Because I was like, you know, these people get so many fucking demos. Let me yeah. make something unique that they'll actually like throw on. Yeah, I sent the demo to Woodsist and Captured Tracks. And I heard back from both of them at the same time. And like they both wanted to sign me. And I was like, holy fuck. Like I was sending out demos all the time. I was always working on music. I would never hear back. And like all of a sudden there were like two labels that were interested. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. That's a great origin story. You signed with Capital ultimately, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ended up going with a major. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a lunch bag with like a sticky note that said, eat it up, label heads. Yeah. And they I, opened it. Well, I put a check for $4,000. Yeah. <laughs> I was industry planting myself. <laughs> said, don't fuck with me. <laughs> But now you're on your own label, Bayonet Records. I am. Yeah, yeah. And I've got the rights to the entire catalog back. So yeah, Bayonet puts out all of the Beach Fossils records, which is awesome because I don't have to answer to anybody. I can just take my time and everyone that we have hired at Bayonet, they're like family, you know, we're all so close. So it's great. I love the way that we have everything right now. What was kind of the catalyst for creating your own label? I'd always wanted to have my own label whenever I would make songs on like a four track when i was a kid like i would have the cassette and i would write fake label names on it all the time 
over time, it was something that actually became possible. You know, like we had relationships with distributors, we had relationships with a lot of people in the music industry that had just grown like naturally and organically over the years from just playing in bands and from my wife, Katie, working at labels where we were like, I think we can do this. I think we can start this on our own and be a place where I can put out my own music and we can find new artists and we can put out music by artists that we love and that we believe in. And it's like become this whole new community. And it's really beautiful to see the way that it's always evolving. Oh, that's amazing. I'm happy you have that freedom now. That must be a great feeling. What kind of challenges, though, do you think new artists or bands face today compared to when Beach Fossils first hit the scene? It's difficult. There are so many obstacles now that are different than when we were starting out. And when we were starting, it was different obstacles than people even like five years before. It's changing all the time. One advantage now is like when I started Beach Fossils, I felt like I had to live in New York for people to hear us. Whereas now it's not as based on a physical location. You know, like if you're in a small town, you can still make music and put it out there and people can hear it. And you don't have to spend all this fucking crazy money on rent all the time, Mm -hmm. like trying to make this shit work while you're like totally broke. I mean, everything is so expensive right now. I mean, we toured forever and just like, a shitty little weird church van basically and just like we're sleeping on floors for a long time and then we started getting hotels and I started feeling guilty for even having hotel rooms and it was like we would squeeze like eight of us in the hotel room you know and it'd be like the other half is gonna like sneak in through the back door so like the hotel person doesn't see it because like we're trying to save money because we played that game recently yeah Yeah, we always play that game well because it's like if we don't do this shit like we're not gonna make any money on tour you know yeah in europe it's a little bit easier because a lot of times the promoter will pay for the hotel room or put you up or something but if you're touring in uh north america it can be really hard You really have to like, quote unquote, prove yourself to make it. Yeah. And you have to have like super thick skin and like be able to endure like eating shitty food and not sleeping and driving yourselves everywhere and, you know, loading in and loading out and playing and not Mm -hmm. getting paid much. Like it's hard. And if this country actually cared about art, you know, we could give artists grants and make it Mm -hmm. so it's not so fucking miserable to try to make it as an artist because like. We are lucky enough that we've like been through all that and come out on the other end and we can tour now. And it's like a private jet, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, (laughs) finally, we all have our own private jets, (laughs) but kind of like the classic, like right wing boober mentality is just like pulling the ladder up with you Yeah, where it's just like, okay, I got mine and fuck you. I don't want every new artist to have to suffer and go through all that shit that we went through. Like there should be a way for this to be easier and more accessible for people. Yeah, what you're describing, it just kind of reminds me of the first half of that film, Green Room. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, Scrappy kind of. (laughs) Yeah, that's based like near my hometown, Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah. All that stuff of them trying to save money and they're siphoning gas and just really trying to make it as a band and then they end up getting their asses handed to them in the film and you're like, oh no, is this a metaphor for like... (laughs) <laughs> the condition of musicians today, like, it's I don't pretty know. accurate. Yeah. Why does everyone's personality or vibe on tour? Who's the responsible one? Who's the chaotic one? Like, who's keeping you all calm on days where it's heavy or you're all tired and exhausted? I think, like, on tour, you have to embrace a part of your personality that's very fucking wild. And yeah, like, it's a collective chaos. And untamed. Yeah, yeah like... 
I'm kind of like a different person at home than I am on tour. Like when I'm home, I'm like pretty mellow. I don't really drink that much. When we're on tour, like I just fucking let loose, you know, and Mm -hmm. I like have a time to be like completely crazy. And like, if you watch the music video that we put out for seconds. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that next. That's a very good representation of what it's like to be on tour with Beach Fossils. I don't pat ourselves on the back too much, but out of various bands we tour with, I think we're pretty fun to tour with. I don't know. I think we have a grand old time. Well, we genuinely love each other. We genuinely care about each other and have a really good time on tour. And like the different parts of our personalities come out in different ways on the road. It can be easy for me to get in like anxious moods or depressive moods. And Tommy's always got the morale. Like we've talked about this before, how like Bear Grylls says 50% of survival (laughs) is morale. And like on tour, that's so fucking true. Like if you have someone who's just like having fun and being goofy and like keeping the vibe up, everyone's going to mirror that. And that's going to keep the energy up and that's going to keep it fun. You need a vibe tech. That's an industry term there. Someone who can keep the vibes flowing. (laughs) That's my boy Patch Adams. (laughs) It's helped a lot to have a tour manager that handles the stuff that would kind of throw us off. Mm -hmm. That's true as well, because we used to get in arguments a lot of the time. Like, yeah, yeah, like we would drive ourselves. We would have to advance the shows ourselves. We would start getting in arguments about like who was doing what and who wasn't like pulling enough slack. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, all right, we've got other people to take care of that for us. We can just fucking show up and have fun and play the show. And Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of the tension off because now it's like, there's no reason to fight. Now we're just fucking hanging out and we're having a good time and we can play show. I also feel like too, you're entering in this headspace where it's like 10% Lord of the Flies or something. Yeah. Where it becomes more tribal and like, there's less actual verbal articulation and it becomes like more hive mind. And like, it's just like kind of like brotherhood where we're all just on the same wavelength. And it's like, no one feels like they're on their own Island kind of deserted. Like if one person feels like they're spiritually, emotionally, like feeling weird, we're all ice climbers connected to the same rope. We can like pull that person back into our average. The positive average can move forward, you know, keep the boat going within beach fossils, at least like the relationship that we have with each other and the amount of time we spend with each other. It's like a marriage, you know, like I spend as much time, with these guys as I do with my own wife. They've been in the band like pretty much as long as I've been married. Like it is like another very important relationship and like keeping that relationship healthy and positive is so crucial to the success of the tour, you know, and not success like money-wise or anything. I just mean like vibe-wise. You know, if the vibe on tour is not good, then what's the fucking point of doing it? Yeah. I wanted to talk about your music video for a second because that's iPhone footage from like eight years of touring. Yeah. You guys do look like a very fun band to tour with. I'll do <laughs> a lot of stuff that is hilarious. Most memorably from that video is like someone on top of the tour bus dancing yeah. half naked. <laughs> what did you kind of notice going through all that footage over eight years of touring? Like, was there something that you were like noticing about yourselves that you'd never thought about before? My cousin was in town <laughs> and I showed the video to her. And she was like, the two things that I'll take away from watching this video is that Jack really likes to take his shirt off and Tommy really <laughs> likes swinging his hair around. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we did a tour with Wild Nothing, who have been friends of ours for a very long time. And the vibe in their green room was so different than ours. Like, you poke your head in there and everyone's just in there, like, wearing headphones, watching movies on their laptops, and it's dead silent. 
And then yeah. you go into our room and people are literally just like Screaming. moshing and like yeah. throwing drinks around and shit. And we're like listening to trap music. Like, I think like no matter what you're going through on tour, if you're going through a hard time, there's nothing like a good mosh or scream can't mm-hmm. fix. Yeah. You got to have fun. You got to keep the fucking energy levels up. You got to keep dancing. You got to take your shirt off and shake that hair. (laughs) (laughs) The subtext to that, too, is that Dustin's always filming. (laughs) That's true. His shirt's off. My hair's going to his belt. That's the problem is I realized, like, when I started putting the footage together for the music video, I was like, I'm not in any of this because I took all of it myself. Aww. So I had to ask. <laughs> we we had, sent a lot, yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. to ask everybody <laughs> to send videos. And then it was funny because it was tons of shit that I'd never seen before. I was like, I wish we just had yeah. like a shared folder where like we everything had a, went yeah. on tour. Yeah. If we had a, a more time, I mean, that's probably one sixteenth of the footage that we actually have of oh, yeah, each other. Yeah, exactly. Documentary, maybe. Probably do a part two someday. <laughs> yeah. I know. Now we all have decent phones, too. I think before, you were the one you like basically had... The nice phone. Yeah, yeah the, the Phantom camera. Okay, we need to use his phone. Yeah. You should have like a shared Dropbox folder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. We need to do something like that. I was scrolling through your Twitter the other day, and I saw a tweet where you mentioned that your upcoming album is the best music you have ever made. How do you kind of come to that conclusion on your own? Like, what was the feeling where it's like, yes, I'm in a space where I have created this project, and it feels like it's my best, like I've bettered myself? I think the most important thing is just making music for yourself and not really worrying too much like what people are going to think, whether it's critics or fans or anything. If you're making the music that you want to hear and you're having a good time making it and you're really connecting with it, that's going to connect with other people because that's the most important part of the whole thing. I see a lot of like comments and feedback and stuff that people are saying whenever we put out new music. When we put out Somersault, there seemed to be a lot of people wanting to hear like the original sound of the band or like, I love their early stuff, you know, and and I'm like that too. Like I love bands, early material. And when people like change the sound too much, I get kind of bummed out because I'm like, man, I wish they were doing stuff that was as cool as they were doing early on because that's the whole reason they became a band. Mm -hmm. And I never want to forget that or forget the things that inspired us. And I still love the music that I was listening to when we made the first record. And I still listen to it very regularly. So that remains like a constant influence and inspiration. But I think with this record, it was like like a new greatest hits, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like we're going to roll up things from every single from album. album yeah. yeah, from the first one, from What a Pleasure, Clash of Truth, Somersault, everything. Take like all these ideas and expand on it and evolve it and keep the momentum going forward, but still staying true to ourselves and true to the sound of the band. And I always trust myself that I'm not going to put out a record that I don't love every single second of every single song. Yeah. That's part of why it takes so long to put out a new record. But I don't really care because once the record's done and it's out there, the most important thing is just like that we're proud of it and that we're happy playing those songs every night live. Yeah. For me, it's like I'm so excited whenever I see like a different direction for any kind of artist. I was interested about the lyrics for Dare Me. There's a line where it says, went to a party, had to break up the fight. Then we took off because it fucked up our night. Do you have to break up fights at parties? Um, have you yeah. had to do that? Is that based yeah. on a real story? I saw one on tour with Beach Fossils once. Yeah, I mean, I've had to break up fights at our shows like... Say what? We don't have to fight at your Yeah, show. that's true. Well, okay, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> There's so many coming to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But short answer, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, talking about the seconds videos, like you see that our live show is like pretty rowdy. A lot of people that have never seen us before don't know that. And they come to the show expecting like a very mellow experience and people are moshing and they kind of get confused. And sometimes that starts fights because people are like, what the fuck? I just want to watch the show or what the fuck? I just want to have fun moshing. Why is this person killing my vibe? You know, and they both just want to do their own thing, which I get. But sometimes that causes fights and I'll have to literally stop a song or stop Mm -hmm. a show and like break up a fight. It sucks because you don't want that shit to happen at your show. You want your show to just be a good time for people to get together and celebrate and have a fun experience. But yeah, there was a story where um, before Jack was in the band, we were playing a show at South by and very just got off a tour together. I was opening. Yeah, he was he was opening in craft spells. So we were already friends. We were playing and I noticed a fight breaking out, but I couldn't see anything because I hadn't, you know, all the stage lights in my face. So I was like, stop the show. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck is fighting, but like this shit needs to get break up right now. You know, it turned out Jack was like moshing or something. I was just going with the flow. You know, I'm not like a mosher. I just do what the crowd's doing. Yeah. Some guy got really pissed off and was like trying to get Jack to like stop. So it's just the macho guy that's like standing behind his girlfriend. Doesn't Mm -hmm. want anyone to like bump into him. Oh, God, I hate those people. Yeah. One thing led to another. Jack like turned around and like opened a beer in the guy's face. And (laughs) 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 little fight kind of broke out. Yeah. So, you know, it happens from time to time. I thought he was thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're doing him a favor. He was, he was ornery. Good. He needed to be hydrated. <laughs> I have to say the most aggressive fans that I've ever met have been at a City and Color concert and a Death Cab concert. Wow. Yeah, where they didn't want to be touched and they were punching people like wow. no in way. the face to get away from them. I'm like, I did not expect this you would not think that that's that's interesting i got my ass kicked at like a juggalo show back in the day (laughs) when i was like in ninth grade we were talking to a security guard once in austin and we were like what's the craziest crowds like what's the most craziest shit you've interacted with and he was like deftones oh yeah he was like there's so many like gang members that show up and there's like stabbings Mm. and stuff and i was like what the fuck like (laughs) you don't expect that at a deftones show now I can see being a crazy contrast too, because you have like the very deep listener headphones crew for Deftones, yeah. but you also have the very crazy like apeshit skaters who are like, let's fucking. That's go. why Deftones are such a good band. <laughs> yeah, for us it's kind of like you know make out music. It's like yeah, sit, yeah. sit on a rug in your room and listen to it in headphones. Yeah, there's someone in Times Square who I see on my TikTok all the time, and he just is in Times Square like doing all these Deftones covers. Whoa, amazing. I haven't seen that. He's pretty good. Like, he's got the voice down. Oh, cool. Is it with, like, drum machines or, like, acoustic? I don't know. I think he's playing the music, like, the instrumentals, like, off some CD player and just has a mic and is... Oh, he's just singing. singing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, Yeah, and he tries to see how long he can sing the songs without getting kicked out of a certain place. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Do you go to Times Square a lot? This is something I always forget to ask New York guests that I have on the pod. I think I might be (laughs) the only new yorker who actually likes times square we've gone there like numerous times as a band you know, yeah just we just go and like hang out yeah. but like everyone fucking hates it and avoids it and it's just like this sucks and i get it it does suck it's just like full of tourists and it's just like peak capitalism it's just like you're getting bombarded with advertisements everywhere but like i'm not gonna be a hypocrite like i fucking love going to tokyo and i love going to osaka mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like there so, like, how are you going to love going to Japan and not fuck with Times Square? Like, yeah. It's a vibe. Yeah. Especially, I would say, too, during COVID when we were doing a little bit of writing and we were, like, even finishing the writing process. In the studio we're currently at right now, we have a TV here and Dustin would project Times Square 
live footage and we would kind of like watch that and like kind of like embrace that interaction of like okay we're part of like the social you know yeah it's like having a window you know yeah. we're writing in a basement but it's also funny because then you start to recognize the routines of the street performers. <laughs> yeah. They're like getting everyone to go in a circle yeah, and yeah. they're like doing all this thing. And it is nice to look at it and be like, oh, it's raining outside. You yeah, exactly. I mean? like, yeah. Oh, it's... like, oh, the sun already went down. Yeah. Whenever I go to New York, I always visit Times Square. People are like, why? And I'm like, it's oh, fun. Don't I let anybody gotta... break your spirit for Times Square. Thank you. I think the time you go to Times Square is actually very important, too. If you go in the middle of the night, it's actually really eerie yeah. and really beautiful. It's awesome if you yeah. go at like three in the morning because it's like you have the whole place to yourself. Yeah, everyone's in their hotels by then. You know, you have it to yourself. Dustin and I even got on the oh, kiss that's right. cam. Yeah, yeah, there was, like a little, there was like a little kiss cam thing or whatever. And it it just, like shows oh you when God. you get close to it and it like projects it onto the buildings <laughs> yeah. for everyone and I guess no one that was to tight. see. Yeah, exactly. But did you kiss? We did. We touched tongues. Oh, nice. Okay. So really committed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just a tongue contact. <laughs> contact. So it was, it was valid. It was we, got a, we got a selfie of that too. I'm curious about Toronto though. Is there like a Times Square equivalent that we need to see next time we're there? Absolutely. It's called Dundas Square. And we have the same thing. There's like these performers that are always in Dundas Square. And there's a preacher that's always in Dundas Square as well on his like really blown out speaker that just like clips all the time and it's irritating but it adds to the vibe but we also have this like guy that actually has reviews on yelp he's been there for like over a decade and he goes believe in the lord Ooh, i'm trying to sample him <laughs> but it's like really loud he like screams it and he doesn't do it consistently so you'll be walking by and then he just like screams this thing <laughs> and offers you a brochure and you're like, no, thanks. And he's been doing it every day for like as long as I can remember. He's on that corner. What kind of Yelp reviews does he have? <laughs> Is anyone ever disappointed? You know, like yeah. his voice wasn't loud enough today. Yeah. <laughs> No, they're always just like, this man is an icon. He's like literally out on the street every day. Respect the hustle. Like I love that. Everybody loves him. It's gonna be a sad day when he's he's getting up there. He's an old guy yeah, now. Yeah. Like Yeah, yeah. Gotta cherish the time. When he reaches the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, he'll finally be there. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Dundas Square is pretty much like the mini version of Times Square. I just have a few more questions for you before we wrap up here. We were talking earlier about the name for your upcoming album, and you were worried about possible confusion with the band Beach Bunny. But did you realize that 2023 is the year of the rabbit? Exactly. Mm -hmm. That actually helped influence it, because when I was telling friends that I was concerned about using that name after I found out about the band, people were like, it's the year of the rabbit, too. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of like a nice inspiration and like, helped me kind of roll forward with it even more. Very cool to kind of have it coincide with the Chinese Zodiac. And as I feel like 10 years from now too, you look back and any type of comparisons of like a moment in time will fall by the wayside and it'll be like, okay, yeah, exactly. what, what did this mean in the context of the catalog? And right. Yeah, so. right. And it's the year of good fortune, happiness, and peacefulness. So Let's go. Hey, we we need that. a little bit of that for everybody. Anymore. Yeah. Sprinkle that fairy dust. Peace, love. <laughs> <laughs> So two more questions, and then I'll let you go. You played Posty Fest in 2018, was it? Yes, I believe that's yeah. correct, 2018. So what was it like playing that festival? Because like I can't find a copy of the 2018 lineup, but it was mostly like hip-hop artists. Yeah, it was. Right before we went on, it was like Kerwin Frost DJing, and then mm -hmm. right after us was Dominic Fike and then Doja Cat. And Ray Schremer. And Ray Schremer, yeah. 
as I dust dirt off my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it was sick. Like we've been friends with Posty for a long time. And um, we were just like playing beer pong with him once, like before one of his shows. And he was like, do you guys want to play my fest? And we were like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like his management came up and they were like, okay, that was easy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think when you beat Posty at beer pong, he invites you to play Posty. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's all you got to do. You just got to beat him at beer pong. Final boss. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. Like we played early on and it definitely was not like our crowd, but I kind of like the experience to like play in front of people that would never hear us otherwise. You know, you got to bring it to the people. Maybe somebody's going to be into it and you got a new well, fucking diehard fan. I think what's interesting too, we talk about this all the time where like now more than ever, you see things that are more in like what were like the rap or pop category kind of entering in this phase of more rock formatted of like, of course, the trend we saw with like, as a small example, like the whole Machine Gun Kelly, Travis Barker, like all this like kind of pop punk revival. Yeah. You see like that's huge now in mainstream. It's like everything is going into more of a um, traditional rock band format, even like maybe melting away of like more of the 808 trap stuff and more like embracing, you know, rock format, whatever. And even seeing like Posty's trajectory too, with like a lot of the stuff he's doing, which is more you know, totally rock in certain aspects. So they were on the future wave, you know. Yeah. No, I would have loved to have gone to that festival. Yeah, it was really fun. Kind of last question for you. What's your go-to karaoke song? Do you guys do oh, karaoke? Yeah. Or do yeah. Yeah. Here. We have too many. All right. So <laughs> mine is Cisco's thong song. That's exactly what I was going to say. I got some good videos of that. Mine and Jack's too. I mean, this is very indicative of the era. We have to say yeah. ours. Me and Jack, you oh, know, yeah. the third act of karaoke. You we'll say that at the same time. Band name and then the title, okay. right? One, two, three. Metro Station, shake it. Yes. Such a great but song. But we changed the lyrics of the chorus from shake it to shake shack. It's always shake shack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Let's say it a bunch of times so we can sponsor this for yeah. this. Shake shack, shake shack. <laughs> it's going to start coming up on my phone now. Yeah, exactly. But I also do Hoobastank Reason. Okay, that's a good one. Train dropped of Jupiter, like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I feel like- Life is a highway, Rascal Flats. Wait, so yeah, what is what is yours though? What's your go-to? I would say Hella Good by No Doubt if it's available. Oh, wow. Nice. A good one. <laughs> Either that or probably some sort of like Frank Sinatra song. I also love Short Skirt, Long Jacket. Oh, yeah. But Cake. Totally. We did a pretty epic harmony for uh, a Sheryl Crow song, All I Want to oh, Do. All I Want to Do, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah, all I yeah. Want to Do with, with the, some weird like Sun birds. comes yeah. up of a Santa Monica Boulevard. <laughs> that's such a great song. I love that song <laughs> really so much. really mod. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's been such an honor and my pleasure to interview you all today. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you so much for having us. Did you want to plug anything before we leave? Your Instagrams, your Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Beach Fossils NYC on Instagram. Fucking, we're called Beach Fossils on Spotify. <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> Just write it anywhere. Honestly. <laughs> well, mine's easy. I was making the Avengers joke earlier, but my Instagram literally is Doctor Strange Love, Doctor Spelled Out. Yeah, and my address <laughs> is. Uh... <laughs> Jack's number. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, give me my number. Yeah. Okay, no, no bullshit here. Jack's official number. Wait, let me pull he's, it up. Here. He's literally pulling it up on his phone. Right I'm gonna now. do it. All right, so it's plus one American code if you're calling from out of town. Two zero six three five three. Oh, <laughs> you gotta keep I'm it in. Bleep that out. <laughs> What's your social insurance number? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna change my number. <laughs> For listeners, make sure to check out all the new tracks from Bunny. Text Jack for more tracks. <laughs> yeah, text Jack for unreleased material. Like all the demos. Thank you for joining me and see you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.